Welcome back to. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna roll. Just roll yeah. this time. Welcome, welcome to God in the Wild. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got the giggles now. I'm gonna stop it. We're gonna reset it, okay. and we're gonna start from now. All right. Welcome to God in the Wild, a podcast exploring the faith journeys of members of Idlewild Presbyterian Church. This podcast is produced by the Young Adult Ministry in collaboration with the Nurture Ministry Unit. I'm Elizabeth Doolin, the Director of Young Adult Ministry. And I'm Jacob Pierce, the Director of the Nurture Ministry Unit. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to God in the Wild. I am Jason Potter, a member here at Idlewild Presbyterian and a member of our transition team who has been helping bring aboard and introduce to our church family our guest today um, that I've had the good fortune of meeting and getting a chance to know a little bit and I'm excited to talk to today. Um, Hello, Reverend David Powers. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Jason. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I wanted to talk about a conversation that you and the uh, transition team had this week a little bit. And I want to make a confession as to uh, <laughs> maybe a little insight into, good uh, into, into my like psyche, I guess. But uh, I think I approached the, and maybe this is the Memphis kid in me, but I think I approached our work in the transition team, uh, cultural reference to Memphis, uh, almost like professional wrestling a little bit, where mm. I thought that our job was pretty much, hey, there's a new star, mm. um, and we want this star to be loved by the audience. We're going to play the intro music. He's going to come out. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know, mm-hmm. have some great lines and just meet people, and it's going to be exciting. And I think the uh, inner Presbyterian in me didn't want to make it be a lot deeper than that. And what I've learned, and I feel very fortunate and uh, honored that you're helping lead us to, is that this is much more of a, uh, a process than just saying hello and just going out and playing the hits. And I'm excited that your uh, vision is to lead us in conversation and getting to know each other, getting to know our church family, mm. uh, and really taking a spiritual journey together. So thank you for that. And thanks for uh, it kind of bringing us along with that. And uh, Thank you for all your work on the transition team and to the rest of the crew as well. Um, I love the wrestling reference coming out. So y'all are promoters. Right, we're promoters. And, and I don't I know who it. Jerry the King Lawler is but uh, <laughs> in this up. situation. But, um, no, I love that. I love that. No, y'all have done a great job. And I just think we're at this unique place in the life of our church and had this great opportunity to go deep with each other as we grow in relationship and um, – what better time than right now to start doing that? I mean, I, I just, I've, I have felt so welcomed by the church and Fantastic. individual members therein. I mean, everyone has been so hospitable and uh, yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you too. I've Ooh. thoroughly enjoyed our work together and getting to know you and great and hopeful for, uh, for what we're going to talk about over the next, however long it is during this podcast. However long it is. Yeah. This is just episode one, right? Yeah. Well, if, we, <laughs> if we don't get to it all today, we'll, we'll come back. That works. But, um, you know, I've tried to catch up on God in the Wild podcast, and I notice that there's been a lot of conversation during the series of reflections of 2020, mm. and certainly how different the world was from 
what we knew in every single aspect. And I think our spiritual lives, that's no different. Um, I was, my wife April and I were talking this week and we were really reflecting on this present moment, which I love your thoughts on, Mm. where we've been, and it's been a privilege that our lives have been very digital and on in work you know we've been fortunate that our work continued on a screen right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not been everyone's experience but certainly how we interact with church has been digital it's been on a screen mm-hmm. and now as things are kind of transitioning back we're kind of in this between kind of a almost like reality purgatory reality bardo of we kind of come to church and you but you can't sing and you can't Mm -hmm. meet and shake hands at the end and have that connection or you're still experiencing it digitally how do you help a community stay grounded in faith in this time and what are your thoughts uh, on the particular present yeah golly so um maybe it's most helpful for me Oh, I hope y'all can hear that That's on the good. podcast. Yeah, yeah I added that bells. in for a fact. Uh, Jason's hit the <laughs> bell button. Um, yeah. So maybe it's, it's important to go back to the beginning. We had staff meeting this week sure. in person for the first time since uh, March of last year. Wow. Uh, this this past um, Tuesday. And which meant that while it was my first time in room, I think it's 301, mm-hmm. it was the staff's first time in that room in a year. Um, it was my first time ever, and Janine's as well. And so we spent like 20 minutes, maybe even more, going back to say, the last time you were in this room as a staff, Wow. what did that feel like? What did that look like? You know, and they asked, and they asked me, you, know, you were in Madison, Georgia. Well, what was your experience at the beginning of all of this? What did that look like? And so I described being in this room, which was a disaster response room of the of Morgan County, which is the, the county that I used to live in. And they had these two huge screens up and it was all the Johns Hopkins uh, oh, wow. information, right? Right. Live, real time, watching numbers go up and everywhere. And I was in that room with community leaders and pastors from across the county. And that meeting was at 11 o'clock on a Friday, on Friday the 13th. Right. And I got out of that meeting and went straight back to the church, called a session meeting. Within 20 minutes, the entire session was at the church. Now, looking back, not right. the best not, idea. Maybe. Uh, not the, but, but we didn't know, right. right? And so they were at the church, and, and we, I unpacked what I had just learned, and we had a couple folks in there that were up to speed on what was happening, what was going on, and voted unanimously. We shut it down, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my energy that day shifted to how are we doing worship right no one's going to be here the entire campus is shut down everybody's going home very very soon thereafter there would be a stay-at-home order basically right right? and and so in a blink of an eye this community that is rooted in incarnation it is rooted in being in the flesh with with one another i mean that's so Jesus takes on flesh and dwells among us, and that's why we have these buildings. That's right. why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we have a podcast today, right? It's right. because of this legacy of God taking on flesh, and all of a sudden, that is not possible. It is not safe. It's not responsible. Right. And so immediately the character of what church looked like changed, and it was in an instant. And so for 
I, I mean, for a long time, I'm still wrestling with it. You brought it back there. That was good. The wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, we have to figure out what it looks like to still do community, but to do it in a virtual way, um, not incarnationally. And... And it's been interesting because for so long, we were able to actually make a full commitment to, all right, now our community is totally virtual. Right. But what we realized really quickly is that there, we, lo- we lose something. You know, we gain something, actually, right. but we lose something else. So now, fast forwarding, you know, to be the end of April, beginning of May of 2021, and now being in this hybrid place where we have the ability to be in the flesh with one another, be incarnational with one another, and yet um, not fully. Mm-hmm. And as you said, the character of it's not the same. I think I what's kept me grounded and what I've tried to keep coming back to over and over again is that um, God is at work in whatever model of community that we are able to practice at any given time. I mean, there you talked about your work, you know, the privilege of it being able to go virtual. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many people who are who are members of Idlewild who for some period of time or longer, whether it's because of illness or being homebound, they have not been able to experience right. incarnational community here in this place, right? right? It's just that now the larger community, we've all experienced that together. So what I've tried to come back to over and over again is that God's in this moment, mm-hmm. and God will be in the ne- God will be present in the next month when when we're probably still in a hybrid, but maybe it looks different then. Um, if I can center myself on the presence of the Spirit of God in a sermon that I'm preaching to a camera lens, or to ten people in a sanctuary, or to two hundred and twenty on it on Easter morning, you know, at the eleven o'clock, um, and I can say God's present in this moment. That keeps me grounded. I think a couple other things maybe that I would add. Um, I decided really early on that I, that my posture towards the way we did community, the way we did church, the decisions we made, my posture was going to be as gracious of a posture as I possibly could have. And that, would, that is to say, my assumption is we, we have all for the last year been doing the best we absolutely can, right? We <laughs> yeah. have been we've been acting faithfully. We've been responding as faithfully as we can, and uh, through our brokenness, through our you know the the wilderness time that this is, and so I've had that posture towards people that I work alongside yeah. that I, I've had that I pastor, whether that's here in Memphis or back at Madison. Mm-hmm. It's gosh, we're all trying to be faithful in this. And that just, it just opened, for me, that opens up a part of my spirit to whatever this needs to be right now, um, hybrid, in-person, virtual, God's present, and we're doing the best we can. Amen. And I appreciate how you frame that. And I think that one thing that has stood out to me is how adaptive we are. And I think that's why this time feels so weird because you have become so used to the non-incarnate, right? Uh-huh, that, uh-huh. And, and that now it's coming back together. You also said that, you know, you mentioned that there was, there was good that came through this time. Yeah. And before we move on from this question, I would love to hear what you hope to take along with you as hopefully we get back to a more present mm. world and mm. a more, well, physically present yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. What, what might you hope to take with us? 
Can I pause real quick and go back just a tiny bit? Because what's striking me right now is yeah. that we are in Eastertide. Yeah. And so this is the, this is the um, time after the empty tomb and before Jesus' ascension. And so like the disciples are having this moment with the risen Christ and, and the people that Christ is interacting with. And soon Christ will leave. So this incarnate ministry that they will they have had, mm-hmm. I mean, the, after we get out of the Gospels in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus is not physically, pre- is not incarnate with them in the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. But so when we get into Paul's letters, all of that is absent Jesus's physical presence. Hmm. And so I think, that, I don't know, it just strikes me that there's something that, we aren't the first church or the first group wow. of followers of Jesus who are trying to figure out what it means when, uh, when they're not, when people are not present in the same way that they have always been. Wow, um, I think r- rooting this in that tradition is helpful. Yeah, I mean, I just think communities of faith have had to do this. Yeah, you know, maybe it's looked different, or there've been times when they couldn't gather for all sorts of political reasons as mm-hmm. well. Okay, sorry, uh, but that I just I just wanted to hit on that before. No, answering great. your question. So, oof, what do we want to? What do I want to carry forward? Um, oh One thing you shared with me, and I'm not leading the witness, but okay. I was am- amazed to hear when you we were talking about Easter, uh-huh. and I had an opportunity to come to the early service. And I, you know, we were here in in the numbers we were able to be, but the numbers that were also present virtually uh, yeah. were staggering to me yeah, when, yeah. and and you know maybe maybe we as a church family are adapting to that yeah. and fun, i don't know yeah it's so interesting because i think i think there is if there's a question that's been on the lips of many church people actually for mm-hmm. a long time right uh, american christendom particularly has been asking this question of you know we, the mainline denominations are shrinking, you know, it's, it's this, um, I'm not sure if you've heard those conversations, but being in the line of uh, work that I'm in um, and, the, and my colleagues in ministry, we right. have, we often have heard those conversations a lot, right? And um, and now that, that question is being asked by congregants in the sense of, uh, are people going to come back, mm-hmm. right? Right. And are we going to be the same community that we were before? Mm-hmm. And the short answer is, I don't know, and probably <laughs> not, you know, yeah. but, um, but coming, quote unquote, coming back even is going to probably be different than we imagined. Sure. I actually think that for um, some churches that weren't far enough along when it comes to virtually engaging people, whether it's with a podcast, sure. whether it's with live streams that have, where we have digital greeters and are engaging our, our digital audience, um, I think that this was, I mean, this season has kind of has forced the church to reckon with that mm-hmm. and to begin to move purposefully into it. And so I guess what I hope that not only I carry forward, because I feel like I tried to have this posture anyway, but maybe the church generally carries forward is we can do things we've never done before in creative ways without five years of planning to get it done. Let's go. Right? Not, Absolutely. We, we don't have to have a, a five-year strategic plan to do this new thing that's going to engage people in beautiful and good and faithful ways. Right. In fact, we might have to turn on a dime and do it in two days. Right. Right? Between March 13th of last year and March 15th, churches, this church, Idlewild, 
changed. More, you know? more in a week than it may have in, a, in decades. Right? right? And, and that's not a critique no. of the church that was, but it is, it's to say, you might not know this church, but you are more agile than you think you are. Right. When you are following the Spirit of God, right. right, and you're trying to be as faithful as you possibly can, we can actually turn this thing more quickly than we've always imagined. And, and what ha- what's the character of that? The character of that is everyone getting on board and saying, I'm open to this new thing. Sure. And let's see. I mean, one of the oh, – something else I want to carry with me is, is – and I tried to practice this before COVID, but maybe it's it's just feels – more present now is um, we as the church can try things and fail and then try something new. I I would so much rather us say, you know what, let's try a podcast and see how it goes. Right. Right. And if in, if in six weeks, if in three weeks, if in however long it falls flat, that's fine. We'll try something new. I mean, other organizations, other institutions have been doing this forever and the church has tried to stay in its lane. Right. What it's decided is its lane. Right. right? And uh, which is often safer uh, in some ways, but also really um, sets a creative limit on who we can be as the people of God in the world. And so I think maybe it's, it's uh, an, a courage. Sure. It, it sounds to me, if I could paraphrase what you're saying, it's Please. almost an, an entrepreneurial Holy Spirit, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I really I like what you're saying, and I think that um, keeping that nimbleness and agility and openness of thought right is what we need to do to make this real again right so so the spirit falls fresh upon us as the as the hymn goes or as the prayer goes right and quiets us but the spirit also rushes into a house full of followers and says there's something brand new happening. Right. So it's 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 a both and. I think often um, in more contemplative spirituality, you know, which is very much Presbyterian, um, we we feel really good about the falling fresh mm-hmm. and the peacefulness. Mm-hmm. And we're we're a little. We have to learn. Maybe this year has forced us to into a learning of. Sure. Oh, there's also this rush. Right. Something brand new that can happen. Man. You're giving me something to think about, so thank you. I appreciate that response. And now I want to really shift gears because you're talking about uh, the Spirit and how it moves us, and I really would love to spend a minute talking about that formation of faith and in your life and mine and those of everyone listening, how unique those journeys are. Mm -hmm. And you may have been raised in it, and you may struggle with it and leave it, you may come back... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your, maybe not childhood, but, you know, young adulthood, um, early years, mm-hmm. and how that faith presented itself to you. We've been blessed to hear some stories of your childhood and, 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 and such, but maybe you can share a little more deeply with um, yeah. that young adult perspective, for perhaps. Sure. Uh, yeah, this isn't... Faith isn't a straight line thing, right? Correct. That always holds the same intensity. I think when we imagine that that's what it's supposed to be, or we're even taught that that's what it's supposed to be by churches or uh, well-meaning, uh, I hope, well-meaning uh, leaders within the church, uh, that's just not the lived experience of. That's not my lived experience. It's not the lived experience that I talk about with a lot of people. Um, so, so my faith journey, you know, has its ebbs and flows and, and really that have to do with my engagement mm-hmm. 
of my faith. I, I wouldn't say that I've necessarily had any really strong wrestling of um, you know, the existence of sure. the divine or sure. a higher power, right? Um, whatever language you want to choose or God. Uh, so for me, that's kind of been this baseline consistency, but my engagement with that mm-hmm. and the implications of it have, have really has ebbed and flowed. So young adult. Um, so I graduated Presbyterian College May of 2004, mm-hmm. a little school in Clinton, South Carolina, went down to Columbia, to uh, South Carolina capital, to start a master's in public administration, mm-hmm. and was thinking that law school would be a part of that, was very much thinking law school was going to be a part of that. And it was really interesting. So I, I'm graduating college, and I have a summer. actually worked on a political campaign for that summer, but I had a little bit of time in between. Mm-hmm. And my pastor at my home church said, you know, we have a real tough time getting men to go on mission trips and, mm-hmm. be, and be with our youth on, on their mission trips. If you have a week that you can give us this summer, we would really appreciate it. So I, I go, I'm sure, you know, I haven't yeah. been engaged in church. Let me say this. I think this is important. I've, I've gone to church every once in a while right. at, at PC. Mm-hmm. Um, I was engaged in a Bible study there, Alpha Omega, which was a um, fraternity uh, Bible study, mm-hmm. um, but I, which maybe is more than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. For me, it was less than I had done, so it felt like I wasn't that engaged. Um, so I get done, and he asked me to do, go on this mission trip, actually to where Rebecca is now, down at Government Street in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and had you know, a great time there. When I got back from that, I said, I was trying to, trying to get my rhythm in Columbia. New town, knew some people, one of my best buddies, we were living together down there, and he was, he was going to grad school as well. Uh, but I, was, I wanted to get my rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting that for me, what popped up was, Church is going to be a part of your rhythm. Right. And you need to figure out where that is. And... I'd and say you did. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well so, so, I, so part of my journey, I guess, is an important part of the journey. So, so Sunday morning comes around, right. and I you know, stumble out of bed, and I'm 22 or 23, and I'd heard great things about this church called Shandon Presbyterian Church, which mm-hmm. is in a really cool neighborhood in Columbia. And I make my way there, and... A gentleman meets me on the front steps and greets me and can, knows I'm new. You know, this is the, I'll find, I will figure out over time this guy knows everybody, right? And we have those same uh, greeters here at the church um, during normal times. And uh, so I go in and I sit down and there's this gentleman that is leading worship and he has white hair and a white mustache and he spins this yarn in the sermon, and I'm engaged with the sermon, maybe for the first time ever. Right. I just, spoken word, the sermon itself never engaged my faith. It was not something I paid attention to. It was more the community that really shaped me. Sure. And so I get done and, and go grab lunch or whatever, go home, do it again the next week, do it again the next week, figure out over time, this, this is an interim pastor who's at Shandon. His name is Jim Lowry. Mm-hmm. So Jim Lowry, if you don't know, was a pastor here at Idlewild for a number of years, wow. right? And and he was an interim after he got done here. Mm-hmm. And really, I really engaged with preaching for the first time hearing this, you know, this man preach. And and there were some other great pastors at Shandon too. 
but they, I mean, they smelled blood in the water, right? They were, they said, okay, we need to get this guy. This is a young adult. Okay, let's get him engaged. And all of a sudden, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of heavy lifting, but we invited some people and then we had this young adult ministry happening. Yeah. And we would go to this burrito place right across the street from the church and they had cheap beers. There was like a, you know, it was a, a dollar beer for like a Milwaukee's best and a, hmm. a Schlitz. And oh. I mean, it was this hall of fame of cheap beers. Right. We get a burrito, have a beer. We do a theology on tap. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, church can be totally different than I thought it was. Sure. Right. Right. And, and I had my call to ministry was not long after that, which is not coincidental, but that was where I started kind of reengage my faith as a young adult. And church became an integral part of that reengagement seminary which was for me my late 20s was was this incredible you know Richard Rohr talks about this uh, orientation um, disorientation reorientation I was oriented in a particular way through my young adulthood I go to seminary and I was disoriented in every way possible right they're telling me different ways to read scripture that I didn't honestly it takes me a while to pick things up it, it took me like two years to figure out what they were talking about, right. you know, when it came right. to this, because I had never planned on going to seminary, right. and, you know. And so this was this disorienting thing where I'm like, that might have been the the closest I ever got to just God. Is this all just a sham? Yeah. Right? It, is this, and then I was, re, I mean, I really believe that God reoriented me um, to a different way of understanding faith and church and uh, community and being a disciple um, through an internship that I did. I was 28 when I went out to Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I worked at a church on the west side of Houston there, and I realized that and that was a church, unlike the churches I'd been in, where I felt the energy there Yeah, that engaged me, and I said, oh, this is something I want to be a part of. I feel this. I, I sense God is working here in a real way, and, um, and if, I, if this is what it's about, then I, I want to be, be here. Um, so... It would be, I mean, I would just say my 30s because I'm, I'm towards the end of my 30s now. 30s became for me the most formative time in my faith journey. Hmm. I hope I say that about my 40s. I hope I say it about sure. my 50s. Um, but I started digging into some different authors, really connecting with some different theologians and uh, realizing, this is a long answer, Jason, I'm sorry. But, no, we're good. Um, realizing that, that God was real. Yeah. That this, that this power, this ultimate power of love in the universe that, that birthed us and birthed all of creation um, also took on flesh. Yeah. And um, we could learn from that and grow in love because of it. And, and ultimately that the world can be made new by that, that power. So ugh, that was a really wide answer. But, um, no, that's, that's powerful. The 20s is important. 30s becomes even more important for me. Yeah made the reorientation continue because it sounds yeah. like that has your your center has oh, moved with you right that's yeah. fantastic and you said something that made me think of my own journey especially how in my earlier years versus now it has changed and you talked about you know early in your answer about uh, well-intentioned uh-huh. people and I had an interesting experience with that that it, it jogged loose um when I was a young teenager, my, my grandfather passed away. And um, long story short, my, uh, my father stayed after the funeral to help with his mother, who she had Alzheimer's and just needed some care. Mm-hmm. I'm a town about 100 miles from here. And I caught a ride home with our uh, 
pastor and associate pastor I was raised, Presbyterian, so mm -hmm. uh, a little more conservative environment than what we have PCUSA here at Idaho, but um, you know, a teenager, you're starting to ask a lot of questions, you're uh, learning about world cultures and things that isn't always like what you have in front of you. And I remember mm -hmm. asking, just having a great conversation in the car that afternoon, who's right? Mm -hmm. If there's all of these uh, paths to, you know, to the mountaintop, as yeah. it were, yeah. different faith backgrounds and religions, who's right? And I got a very interesting and specific response in which they told me, well, we are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some conservative Episcopals and, you know, one or two Methodists, I think. But that was kind of the <laughs> That's extent. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That didn't really sit with me too well. And I think as, a, as my faith journey, uh, after I kind of got out of high school and, you know, church was a little more compulsory, I kind of yeah. put it aside yeah. until um, the last couple of years, until my wife and our family found Idlewild here. And it's interesting that uh, you talk about that, you know, there is no doubt that God is real. I don't think I ever had that doubt, but I don't think I ever, I don't think I spent a lot of time reflecting on it Fair. as well. Yeah, yeah. And through, uh, it was actually through grief and some tragedy in, in life that I saw God at work, April saw God at work, mm -hmm. and we realized we needed to bring that more to the center of our family and uh, find an environment for our daughter where we could all learn to be together and be in a community of faith and good work it's how we ended up here at Idlewild yeah we visited one church and we that was here it was here yeah. and April and I have different faith backgrounds um, but we both found the beginning to answers that we were seeking here which I, I find uh, we're eternally grateful for um, anyway I say all that to say uh, when, when in the future faced with questions from children, whether it's people, uh, yeah. you know, young adults and they're listening with kids or, yeah. you know, I'm dealing that with my daughter. Um, what's a better answer to give <laughs> than we're right? <laughs> I mean, let me just pause and say, if the kingdom of God is full of Presbyterians, a couple of Episcopals yeah. and, uh, a, a, you know, a Methodist or two. Uh, God help us. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, God, what's a better answer? Let me just say, I, when I hear you tell that story, it what starts flashing in my head are all these stories of these moments in time that my friends, that that congregants, that um, people that I've known in the community, uh, they can they can mark a time when they they were. I'm not trying to project on you right here, but they had an experience that really changed their path with the church. For some, they would describe that as they, they had a wounding, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. for some, it was a, just an answer that didn't make sense to them, mm -hmm. right? And didn't bear itself out as true in the real world. Mm -hmm. So what would be a better answer? I think it actually comes down to the question. So I think it's really interesting. I don't know much about your tradition of Presbyterianism, but um, when... It's interesting when communities set up where the, where the structure um, or the setup is that uh, rightness is the measure of faithfulness. Mm. So when, if, if being right becomes the defining characteristic 
of any group, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, but particularly, um, let's say, a group of Presbyterians, <laughs> if rightness is how we're supposed to measure ourselves, I actually think we're, 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 we're screwed already. Yeah. Um, because it's the wrong place. It, it's actually, it's not what Jesus, it's not how Jesus measured faithfulness, right? So for Jesus, and let's replace rightness with uh, love. Mm. So, so the, the um, fidelity, the uh, faithfulness of a community or of individuals within it is the, is the extent to which they embody love in the world. I mean, all, over and over and over in Scripture, there are people who do things right, yeah. quote-unquote, by the letter of the law or by com, uh, community or cultural standards. And Jesus says, that's, that's not it, Yeah. Right. In, uh, going back to the pro- Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, right? Um, the people in that prophetic witness, I think it's, uh, I don't know, 58 or 50, Isaiah 58 or 56, I can't forget, remember. Anyway, the people are saying, you know, we're calling out to you all day long. We're fasting, God, in the way that you tell us to fast, and we don't, where are you? You're not present. Yeah. And, and the response is basically, um, the fast that I choose is to loose the bonds of injustice. Right? It is to clothe the naked and feed the hungry. Uh, you are fasting, and so there is a degree to which you feel like you are right, but that's mm. actually not. The fast is actually supposed to produce something else, and that is you're supposed to seek justice mm. and equity uh, in the world. You're supposed to clothe people and feed people, right? right. And then Jesus does that. You know, we fast forward and, to the gospel accounts, and it is more often than not when, when questions are posed. Um, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people, the lawyers, whoever it is, they are, they are answering questions or even posing questions rooted in rightness. And Jesus reframes it to rooted in love. And, and to say the way that your faithfulness is going to be measured is going to be the way in which you embody the love that I'm trying to show you, the way and I'm trying to embody it, the way y'all embody it in the world, that's how you're going to, that's how we're, we're measured, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think another piece too, like if you get into uh, like, oh, if we expand it beyond Presbyterians, beyond uh, Protestants, be, you know, into interfaith dialogues or in, right. definitely interdenominational dialogues, um, Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and the life," which is interesting because that 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 verse is often used as to exclude. Sure, it must right? be this path. It is exactly. Right. It, whereas, whereas another way to look at that is to say, anywhere you find truth. That's Christ. Anywhere you find, when something resonates, and we know when something is true and good and right, anytime, well, that's actually just the presence of God in that place. Right. Uh, And then all of a sudden, God becomes much bigger. I mean, I think what's really interesting about the way those pastors, and I just have such compassion because I think, I I mean, I think back to to 10 years ago, I, I probably. Oh, gosh. I just, uh, and I was doing youth ministry at that point. I was working with middle schoolers and high schoolers and yeah. everything. I just imagine the, the um, I don't want to be too harsh on myself, but the dumb things I said, wow. thinking that I was supposed to have the answers because the system sets you up in the, I think actually the, the, the system sets you up as clergy and even as church members, you're supposed to have the answers. Yeah. If you don't have, and this is where reason, <laughs> reason as the, and logic as kind of the fundamental measure in, in our, uh, in our world, right? If you don't have the answer, if you don't have the exact interpretation, then obviously, what you, obviously you're an idiot for doing this. And so we we set it up 
that pastors feel like they have to give the answer even when the right answer in that situation is is not to is not something that narrow goodness i know well, and i think that maybe that's something that's happened in my life is, is the more i've gone down this this journey the more God just becomes bigger, more expansive. The answers become wider and, and, and more inclusive. And, and to me, that the truth in that way becomes more true. Yes. I take that moment with me. Uh-huh. And I look at it differently now at 43 than I did when yeah. I was 15. Yeah. And I'm glad you say compassion to those individuals because that's that is what I feel I mean I think that the intention is to take uh, a spiritual seeker and push them in yeah. in, the, in the right way totally, right totally. and uh, I know now that's where that came from yeah. and uh, it was a maybe a charged moment and a you know a long afternoon yeah. and uh, that's what I like to think so yeah that's fair that's I appreciate fair. that response tremendously and I hope uh, well I hope everybody uh, Got a little something from that too, so. Yeah. I think, um, God, just to be in that car, be, yeah, to be. Yeah. It was interesting, his 43 year old Jason now yeah. gets to pastor 15 year old Jason. I know, right? It's, right. It's wild. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, hopefully a, a much longer road, but that's, I guess, what we have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Is make sense of our own stories and the stories that, uh, weave us into the fabric of our faith community, right? Mm. I think uh, this is great, David. I appreciate the time uh, today. Well, uh, David, thank you for that moment of uh, personal privilege there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the, uh, the spiritual therapy, I, I didn't intend to go too deeply there, but I think that's what's interesting to think about your role as mm. uh, the new leader in our church. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that my story, though it's mine, every single person that sits in that pew or joins us on the screen on Sundays has their own story. Everyone has that faith journey. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about that in a, a church full of those individuals, how do you pastor two mm. individuals with, with, with their own faith journey and make it relevant and real and authentic to them and create that sense of greater larger community that body yeah (laughs) yeah oh goodness so there's so many layers to this first i would say it is we we have to we have to learn each other's stories Mm. let me let me draw back to say that there's a role that i play in this and then there's this beautiful thing that god has set up that is the body of christ that is the church where it is each of us uniquely is equipped in a different way to walk alongside another on this journey. So for, for me, what I'm trying to do is learn people's stories. And, you know, I think the transition team, is bringing it all the way back around, transition team's really helping with that right now. I'm getting FaceTime with people, right? right? Um, and I have been for, for months now. But I think that's, I think learning stories over time. And what I try to do as a pastor And I hope, I was actually talking about this with a good friend of mine earlier this week. Um, One of the things I hope about myself is that I try to to listen really well to people when they tell their stories. I try to, um, I just, there's no judgment. 
as I'm hearing someone's story. And I try to create, because it is what it is, I try to create the space that they need to share. Right. And so pastorally, I think that's, and I, I think Sarah's amazing at that too. Um, and, and many people on our staff and also on our session leadership um, to, to listen to people's stories. So that there's a dimension of it that says, um, I want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the 15-year-old Jason in the car with the pastors, right? And then, right. And, and, and there's, I don't know, 1,356 of us or whatever the number is going to be when right. the session meets, you know. And there's 1,356 different unique stories. Mm-hmm. We are not all here for the same reason. And yet it's this, it is, the, the universal piece of this is, it is the same story that has created this community. We, we are grounded in the story of love taking on flesh in the person of Christ, right? That, so if we have a common story, that's our common story. We're, right. we're grounded in the, in the um, creation of God that then call, the God that calls us good. Right, which is actually the beginning of the creation story. Right, right. a lot of people skip to. Uh, in fact, sometimes Presbyterians with that total depravity thing, we skip to chapter three, <laughs> which which is the the fall. But like, right. but we're created and named good. So like, there are these stories that that root us and ground us. And then what I think is so beautiful is each of us has come to this place and desires to be here and to be a member and be engaged in this for different reasons. And I think my job as a pastor is to create space for that. I think that's actually our job as idol, as people who call Idlewild home. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things that drew me to this community was the wideness of it. Yeah. It is a place where you can come with whatever your story is, um, some that that are deep wounds and some that uh, some faith journeys that have uh, maybe have avoided those deep wounds in some way. They haven't experienced them in the same way. But we... We create an environment, we create a culture, we create a church mm-hmm. that welcomes and tries to get to know deeply um, the people we're sit- sitting in the pews with, the people we're serving alongside on a Wednesday morning, um, the people that are calling us and electing us to service on the diacadin or on the session, um, and coming back over and over again to the story that binds us. Yeah. It's a story of love. It's a story of grace. It's a story of um, community that we, we didn't author it. Right. The God of all the universe authored it. We get to, we get to walk in it, which is beautiful and good. Um, Amen. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for this time today. And thank you for, for taking time. You, 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 you're so committed to that in so many different ways. I'm just appreciative of you oh, absolutely. Um, sharing a part of your story with us and with the, whoever will listen to this and sharing it with me. The millions and millions. The mi- well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Rogan and yeah. then it's Jason Potter. <laughs> and we'll get to, uh, yeah. In time. In time. Well, in time. Uh, David, thank you so much for this. And uh, we, uh, on behalf of the rest of the transition team, we are uh, just excited for this continued work to uh, get out in our church family with you and get to learn those stories of, of all of our family. So. Um, here's to the continued work and best of luck to you, my friend. Thank you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. 
If you want to nominate someone to be featured on a future episode of God in the Wild, please contact Sherry Gross, coordinator of the Nurture Ministry Unit at sgross at idlewildchurch.org. May God be with you in the wild.